we have an expert coming in today that in my opinion is uh, my my mentor Jeffrey Gittimer says there are three types of expert there is an expert there is a world-class expert and then there is the world-class expert and today I believe we have the world-class expert coming on the show today when it comes to customer experience and leading your business through uncertain times and customer experience I know can be a little bit of a throwaway word sometimes um, and and I really as we're going into this conversation I want you to realize that Joseph Michelli who is our our guest today he does not face customer experience as a throwaway word. Um, he has books such as, and this is the only time I'll mention this book, The New Gold Standard, um, the Ritz-Carlton, focusing around the five leadership principles for creating a legendary customer experience courtesy of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. I don't think anybody can argue that the Ritz-Carlton feels that customer experience is a throwaway word. If you've ever been to one, you know that. Um, and then books like the Starbucks experience and so many others. I could sit and just name so many that he has literally written the book on customer experiences, but it's the books on customer experience. And today we're going to be focusing on something that's going to directly help and benefit your business right now. And that is stronger through adversity. Um, Joseph has released this new book and it is all about world-class leaders sharing pandemic-tested lessons on thriving during the toughest challenges. And anybody who's lived in the past 18 months knows that some of those toughest challenges we're facing now. So with a, that long introduction, we're going to be right back. And right after this, we will be back with Joseph Michelli. And I'm excited for you to get to hear from him. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Welcome to the show, Joseph. Thank you for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. It's, I think that the honor is definitely ours. And, and I mentioned this in the intro, but I want to mention it again, because I think anybody who's tuning in right now, you know that having the opportunity to have some some world-class mindset put into your brain right now with everything that we're facing, it, it's not just invaluable, it's critical anymore. Um, and Joseph's new book, Stronger Through Adversity, this is not a book that he just decided to start writing at the beginning of the pandemic. This is a book that he collaborated with over 140 leaders from various industries and experiences across the globe to put together, in my opinion, to help us leaders not just survive, but thrive through everything that we're dealing with right now that I feel like it's kind of hard to put a label on because I feel like it's changing every other day. Um, <laughs> but if you want to go ahead, I know you, if you're a leader and you're already wanting this book, which I think you will just by reading the title of it, Make sure to go ahead and get go to GetStrongerBook.com. That'll take you directly to Amazon. You can go ahead and pick it up while we're going through all this with, with uh, Joseph. So Joseph, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've got going on, and maybe a little bit about what inspired you to write this book. Well, I've been really fortunate to work in an industry that has grown up right around me. I was working in what was called customer service, and we were trying to figure out how to fix problems and take care of complaints. And then somewhere along the way, we realized we needed to kind of work upstream 
and make sure that we're thinking about the entire experience, trying to minimize the number of complaints that customers had. If they did complain, use them as gifts and translate them into con continuous improvement. So over the years, we've gotten into this focus of the perceptions of customers across the entire journey called customer experience. And I've been a consultant in this space and done that for a long time. And many of the people that I work with uh, consultatively and otherwise turn out to either be great articles or case studies or books. And so uh, I've been writing a couple over the course of the years. Just a couple. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and name all of them because, you know, our goal is not an infomercial. But it, if you look up Joseph Michelli on Amazon, you'll see what I'm talking about. He wrote the books, plural, on customer experience. And I think that, um, I mean, I'm excited. I, I'm going through your books right now and, and gleaning so many just pearls of wisdom, even, even as, a, as a small business owner, of ways that we can approach things in a way that I never would have thought of before that larger corporations are doing probably from partially from your consulting and partially because they're setting themselves apart and have a history of it for hundreds of years. Absolutely. Someone like the Ritz Carlton has been doing it since it was born. It was born <laughs> into creating elevated customer experiences that enlighten and drive the senses, right? Yeah. Um, but other brands that you think were doing it weren't. For example, I worked with Mercedes-Benz, which was at the time 22nd in the JD Power. Now, this is a company that goes to market with a branded message of best or nothing. But when it came to the US customer experience, it was 22nd, just edging out Mazda. Um, and so wow. this was really not what uh, the German engineers who who see themselves as having made the automobile were content with. And uh, over time, it's really a matter of re-engineering the customer experience to match the quality of the vehicle and not to let the vehicle down with the experience. So there's a lot of interesting journeys here between brands that were born to do it and those that have had to come at it maybe from a different angle. But the beauty about small business is that we have the ability to be much more nimble than all yeah. of those corporate giants. So if we can learn their techniques, uh, we can move on them much more quickly than they can. I feel like it's almost cheating as a small business owner when I learned those techniques. I'm like, oh, I can implement this in a week, but it, whereas it probably took them three years to implement or more. Which is really kind of a nice tie-in back to the pandemic. You know, prior to the pandemic, if you were to try to initiate a big change movement at some of these high gravitas, high equity brands like Ritz Carlton or Mercedes, since we mentioned them, it just takes lots of committees because everybody's worried about how's this going to affect brand equity. Um, yeah. So they got they're kind of careful about doing anything. The pandemic was a great leveler and all of a sudden people were hitting the reset button on their business and ideas that used to have to take three committees to approve were getting <laughs> taken care of in one Zoom meeting. So when when we're thinking through the customer experience journey, because like I said, I know that so many industries and so many leaders have almost, you know, they, they pay homage to customer experience <laughs> and it's often in their messaging but it often does not translate to the boots on the ground. And I'm not talking about the employees, I'm talking about the actions that are actually taking place, the actual customer experience. So what have you seen or some of the disconnects that cause some of that? Well, it's fascinating. One, one person contacted me a couple of years ago and said, this is the year of the customer, which made me, and I said, well, I don't think I'm gonna work with you because if this is the year of the customer, <laughs> I'm not sure what y'all were doing last year. And maybe next year will be the year of the pony. <laughs> I'm not sure where we're going, but um, you know, really, I think that you have to have an authentic understanding that we're not. In, Drucker said we're not in business to create a profit, which really makes people gulp. But he went on to say we're in business to create a customer, and it's yes. through customers that all profits come. And I think that people understand all you're doing is trying to create value for people 
And then if you can create that value and market the value to the people who are most interested in it, and then if you can convince them through a sales process that there is enough benefits and attributes for them in that value, and then you can service that value after the sale and you can re-enlist them into future value propositions. That's business, right? But yeah. some people don't get that the customer is at the center of all those value propositions. Wow. So you think it's really just kind of, if you will, a, a misplaced center or a misplaced focus? I think it is. I mean, I think sometimes we just look at ourselves. We look at our own internal processes. We look about how we want to deliver the business. And we don't really get out of our own shoes to step into the shoes of the customer. And so the brands that I really connect with are the ones who uh, have an authentic understanding that they need to do more to understand the people who they attract, understands their wants, needs, desires, stated and unstated, anticipate the needs to come uh, that group of people, it's rare. And when they, when you find them and they execute against it, they just create distinction from yeah. all of the others who I think will be probably someday subject to extinction if they don't, they don't go with the program. It really reminds me a lot of a John Maxwell quote that I, I think I have quoted on this show more times than I care to count. Um, and, and what he says is you cannot create value for others unless you first value others. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's time to write it down somewhere. I'll, <laughs> I'll listen to it in playback. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of one of the things talking, you know, mentioning the pandemic and and because of this book that you've just released. Um, I think that's one of the things that for those brands who have lived the past years, whether it's years, decades, or however long, that have not had that customer centric model and not just a model, that customer centric attitude and mindset through it that just permeates the organization, it's kind of brought people to their knees and made them stop and say, okay, hold on, we're doing something wrong because I feel like as a country almost, and really almost, I would say globally, but I'm, I'm not in tune with, if you will, the global sentiment, but I feel like as a country, we as a country hit that pause button because of the pandemic. And we did, we looked at it and said, okay, maybe our values need to change because we had that slowdown and that pause. So what have you seen in having these conversations with, I mean, like I said, over 140, and I could sit and list these in the book. Um, I know everybody's going to be picking this book up because if you're not, you're crazy. But what are some of the things that you started? Well, to see? I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, first off, I'll just, I'll name drop just a few people from yeah. the book, just so people get a sense of the scope of this. So Hans Vestberg, who's the CEO of Verizon is in there. The CEO of Ty Target, Brian Cornell's in there. We've got presidents from Microsoft, presidents from Marriott. So it's really a pretty impressive list of for-profit leaders. I also went out and made sure that I got a group of, you know, CEOs and leaders from nonprofits. So American Red Cross and, and that kind of ilk. Um, and then we also have public safety leaders. So people who were trying to manage uh, public safety throughout the pandemic. That said, what I really saw was A, they wanted to talk. They needed some time yeah. and space to process. They needed someone to show care and compassion to them because often leaders get so absorbed in the task at hand and they're they're yeah. leading, but they're not leading themselves. So they, they enjoyed, I think, the opportunity to analyze and get nurtured and support and bounce ideas. Yeah. But beyond that, the thing that I really saw, and, I, and this is maybe a warning, alert, alert, you know, a disclaimer, be careful, controversy ahead. But I think that at some level, there was a gift from the pandemic. Now, that's really the controversial line, right? A gift from the pandemic. Are you crazy, Michelli? I mean, <laughs> who would wish this on their worst enemy? And you're calling this a gift. It's a 
see the I mean, the obvious component is how terrible it all was that we learned. Uh, and for me, the gift is the very thing you're talking about, which is that other people matter more than a lot of our stuff. Yeah. Uh, people matter so much that we want to just go right through this screen and hug somebody. You know, we're kind of tired of the two dimensionality of video chats and conferences. We kind of long for hanging out with people at the office, even people we didn't like that much before. We'd <laughs> almost rather see them than have to do another call. So, you know, my, my point being that I think we have gotten a greater appreciation for the importance of people and certainly leaders did because their people went and did some heroic things to keep the businesses alive during the shutdown. Yeah. And so how has, when, as they're, as we're going through, you know, this stronger through adversity, which again, as I'm, as he was mentioning, one of the ones that stuck out to me, and this is just because, you know, I guess of, of where I am from, I mean, you had people like people from the university of Tennessee, which obviously I think was definitely the right choice given that, you know, I'm also a, uh, a very large University of Tennessee, Tennessee fan, but you had DHL, leaders from DHL supply chain, um, Goldman Sachs, like you said, Microsoft. I mean, there's so many here that contributed. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was you were not paying them to contribute to this book. No, uh, no, heavens no. <laughs> if they, in a way, we're paying everyone because a portion of the proceeds go to direct relief. So they were yes. kind of giving to future generations of leaders. They were, you know, a portion of the proceeds are going to the, this group that's helping the helpers. So uh, yeah, I, I think in many ways they just gave it out of their goodness of their their souls at a very challenging time. Yeah, uh, but I love your University of Tennessee lady because she, you know, she was in student affairs and they reached out to all of their students. They called every single student. That's yeah. unheard of. Just to talk with them about what do you need, how do we make it work, every single student. That's yeah. remarkable. Well, and I think it's it's really it's indicative like we said of that shift in the mindset to realize and it's not even because I think in the past, often some sometimes initiatives in the CX arena are come at through the intent of profit. And I'm not saying profit's a bad thing. I'm not one of the people that's saying profit's a bad thing. I do think that customer experience has to be, you know, there has to be ROI on it. But I think that when we come at it through that lens of our purpose of changing the mindset of our customer experience, is in order to get profit and what is the percentage of ROI from this? I think it ekes through on everything and every and anybody we're dealing with can fix it or can feel it. Whereas when it's us coming at it of, hey, we actually care for you as a person. We care for you as a business person. We care for you as a human being. And therefore, we want to make sure that we're serving you at the highest level. People internalize that. And that's where you get these almost emotional connections to brands and companies. Well, Brad, I've done one or two interviews in my life, and oftentimes you need, you just show oddity, right? Like you're just on the show, but not you. You took the time well before this to get to know me, to have conversations, to prep, to build a relationship. Yeah. And I think the key here is the word relationship. You know, yes. we may not be super deep in our relationship. You and I aren't going to go hang out and you know have a <laughs> beer this evening, but we've got a connection that means something to me, and it makes me want you to succeed. And so yeah. I'm invested in your success. And customers, if they're in relationships with brands, it's, it's almost like being in a relationship with some a human. Like if, I, let's say, because I've written two books about Starbucks, let's say you've never been to a Starbucks and I say, Brett, you've never been to a Starbucks. Starbucks is fabulous. And they're like, so important to me. Brett, go try it. And then you come back and you go, 
Joseph, I don't get it. I mean, they, you know, they've got a tall that's really a small and you know, you can order a tall blonde. It's really crazy stuff going on over there. And the four bucks for a coffee. I mean, give me a break. And I look at you and I go, holy heck, who am I hanging out with now? I mean, what is yeah. wrong with Brett? I'm obviously something's wrong with him because I've got a relationship with a brand yeah. that if you don't meet and connect with that, I, I can almost you know, shun you from my Facebook list. <laughs> I love it. I love it. My wife probably would shun me if I said I didn't like Starbucks. <laughs> no. one, of, one of the last chapters of the book, and I have admittedly not, I've not made it all the way through to this chapter yet, but I'm very close to it, is forget the future. Now, in my mind, I, I have a picture in my head of what I think you're saying here, but I haven't read it yet. So I would love for you to elaborate on forgetting the future and what that looks like in, as we're growing stronger through the pandemic. I think there, there are two issues here. We've got to create a better than normal place up ahead. And I think what we should do, and I'll use John Maxwell. John Maxwell once said that, because you, you were so kind to quote him, I'll do as well. He once said that most of us are going to be remembered in one sentence. Wow. Write it now. So write that sentence now. So the large part of this is write the sentence that you want to be remembered for and the way you manage both the pandemic and the post-pandemic phase. Because in these times of adversity, we are more known and it will resonate more in the way our legacy is crafted. Now, legacy can sound super highfalutin. We're going to leave one whether yeah. we intend to or not. So let's design it instead of letting it happen by default. That's so true. It's so true. Well, that's, I'm going to have to go back and make sure to record that quote word for word from the replay as well myself. Um, so, I mean, as you were going through this process of putting this book together, um, and I, again, I'm going to keep showing that this is not an infomercial for this book, but Stronger Through Adversity, it's, it just says it. I mean, I don't know how else to say other than the fact that Joseph has already done the work of helping us understand the lessons that we can learn through this pandemic. Now, obviously there's lessons that we still haven't learned yet. <laughs> Maybe there'll be a part two to this book. I could see that happening um, as I'm like throwing more work on you, you know, involuntarily. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but as you were going through and interviewing so many of these amazing leaders from all different sectors, what were the things that you saw that were the traits that maybe people had to didn't have prior to this massive shift that they had to quickly develop or maybe the ones that helped people get out ahead of themselves that they had already developed not knowing that they were going to need it through a pandemic? I'll give you two really quick ones. First, Brene Brown has been telling us for the longest time we need to be authentic. We need to bring more of ourselves to work. I even have a chapter which is bring yourself to work, kind of spinning off of the bring your kid to work. You know, yeah. Instead of bringing your kid into the workplace, suddenly your kids were in the workplace, right? And you weren't, <laughs> you weren't conducting business from a boardroom. You were conducting business from a bedroom. And so the reality was there was a, a, a vulnerability in leaders. And so I think you saw more transparency more comfort yeah. with themselves. I saw a CEO for Farmers Insurance who admitted, you know, that he should have taken a different stand. If he'd listened to his people better, they would have given the premiums back to drivers before USAA did. Uh, the point is, there was clarity of I've got to be vulnerable, and the vulnerability worked. And I think that's that yeah. genie is out of the bottle. And and then you know, I think from a, a second perspective, you know, this was a time where people could over communicate. And while we have that. That notion that in crisis, you can never over communicate. People had to figure out how to communicate consistently with a regular cadence in a calming voice with optimism, telling an honest lullaby and 
they needed to make sure they weren't just clicking onto another meeting just because they felt like they had to communicate when they didn't have anything to say. So yeah. purposeful aligned communication was always solved in the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's, it's so true. And I think it's at, it's at every level. Um, because I'm, the more that I see the responses of so many different companies and so many different people having to just constantly pivot. Um, and, and my mentor, Jeffrey Gittimer would get after me for saying pivot, but constantly have to shift their, their thought process and momentum as things are changing. And it's, it's not just the pandemic that's changed in the past 12 months. I feel like there's been so many things that have been, um, upset and turned over and, and we've had to realign our thinking. So as we're moving forward through this pandemic, you know, we're starting to, I almost don't want to say it, but it feel, feels like we're starting to see some progress towards the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we'll see. But as we're moving forward through this, what are some of the things that we as leaders can do to maximize this opportunity? Everybody's in this, this flux mode, this change mode. How do we make sure that as we're coming out of it, that our, that we are maximizing that customer experience, that these are not just lessons that were applied during stressful times, but that they continue to permeate forward with our organizations. Well, I, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was getting emails from somebody I must have done business with 20 years ago. And then all of a sudden they're concerned and interested in me. I'm not getting those emails anymore. Right. I mean, <laughs> I think if you're going to reach out to people with an authentic interest in them, then you need to continue the cadence of doing that long after this, even when business is coming in. It's not, you know, as anybody in sales knows, I mean, you can stop doing more than enough. And then all yeah. of a sudden you wake up one day and there's nothing there because the lead gen was not actually being happening. The same is true with customer experience. This yeah. is a discipline. It requires consistency. It's not something you can do in spurts and expect everything to be even in your business. So, so for me, it really is look at all of your customer facing processes, people, process and technology, realize that we live in a world where we have to create technologies that make people's lives easier. And we need to put yeah. people in front of them who can actually connect with them in a way a technology just can't. So as if you do that, kind of keep your cadence going, you're golden in the post-pandemic world. It's like a, it's a vaccine in, in the CX world right there. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that is often overlooked, um, and I will, I, this is a theory that I've had. I haven't, I haven't personally tested it on my very large organization, but the theory that I have had when it comes to customer experience is when I make sure that it is a priority consistently, I see that it impacts every area of my business. It impacts sales because I have, like you're talking about, I have these, I'm producing these raving fans because of the experience that we've built. It impacts customer service because the customer service side, if somebody does get something wrong, they feel there's a lot more grace given. <laughs> there's a lot more, um, it's a lot friendlier conversation. And so what are, what have you seen for the organizations who have maybe made that shift of the different relief valves that have been let off because they've made customer experience a consistent priority? Well, first off, I just loved your word kind of every time sort of mindset. You know, I, my, you talked about Jeffrey Gittimer. I my mentor uh, uh, of the modern day Ritz Carlton Hotel Company, and he would say, "Stop trying to." There, but you'll get a lot closer to excellence. 
And I think for me, one of the first things is we should expect every customer every time is going to have a fabulous experience. And we should define what fabulous means from our vantage point. What do we want them to feel as a result of that interaction? So I think that's important. But as for the relief valve issues, I think that A, we just need to spend time with our customers asking them how they're doing, what ideas do they have that would make their life better. And then we should poll them, quiz them, use pulse surveys, all that, if we can use the data effectively. And a lot of small business owners get more data from their customers than they can ever use. They should stop asking. You know, ask <laughs> and then let the customer know what you heard and then implement the things that have great value for the broadest number of customers in your business that you, can, you have the bandwidth to, to execute. Boom, you're good. That's that's money. And that, I mean, I think that's so true because I think we're in this, obviously we're in the information age. And I think that we're definitely in that realm of um, information overload is being kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it it's not it's not about what data can you get. It's about what you can do with the data you get. Absolutely. And sense. how do you take information and turn it into actionable knowledge, right? That you can yeah. do something with. Yeah. So, I mean, what are some of the tips as we're starting to close out here? What are some of the tips that you would give those who are in leadership roles that as we're as we're going forward here? So maybe maybe some more tactical tips, so just a couple of things that they can begin to focus on and think through with their organization to make sure that customer experience is not just a passing word that they're talking about, that it's actually something that they're building into the culture of their company. I think just super simple tips is, do you know your customer segments? And if you do know your customer segments, have you humanized each of those segments? Maybe build a persona core segments. Have you walked your customer journey as if you were in those segments? And then finally, if you have walked it, have you then gone and said, here's what we think based on us putting yourself in your shoes. Would you mind telling us what you think about whether this is a peak or a valley along your journey? And if you could have us fix one thing, what would that be? Because we really would like to get our attention on the things that matter most. And you know, not every moment in a customer journey is equal. Some moments matter more than others and executing yeah. at those moments pay off a lot better than others. So, so uh, that's true. my set of tips for uh, anybody who's wanting to walk this walk a bit. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, you, like I said, Joseph has put out many, 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 many books <laughs> to help you with a lot more of that, but above and beyond your books, how can people get in touch with you and, and potentially, you know, if they've got some initiatives that they're working to deploy within their organizations, how can they engage with you to, um, to see if that's something that, that you can help them with? but you can literally just go on the website and fill out our contact form and you'll end to me. It's not like we've got layers and layers of bureaucracy between me and you. So let's just try to have a, ch a conversation. It's what I did with 140 people for this book. I'd love to do it with the people who are interested in moving the needle on the experience they deliver. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I can't tell you enough how much I have thoroughly enjoyed so far what I've read and stronger through adversity. And as I'm going through the rest of your books, it's, um, it's definitely impacting me and my business. And I know that it's impacted many other people in their business. Um, and again, like I, like I said earlier, uh, you can see the website below josephmichelli.com. Go there and you'll be able to just, like I said, go through the contact us form. You'll be able to get in touch with him and to pick up stronger through adversity. 
make sure you go to getstrongerbook.com if you've not already. I'll make sure that that's in the show notes for those who are tuning in after, um, as well as those who are tuning in from the podcast. So if you're driving down the road right now listening to this, don't worry about getting it. You can get the link later. Um, but with that, again, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you for coming on. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for making the world better, for making sales more efficient, and for being such a really incredibly nice guy. May we all come through this stronger through adversity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you'll hang out for just a second, I'm going to go ahead and close this out. Um, beyond, above and beyond anything, thank all of you who are tuning in right now and tuning into the replays later. Um, we would not continue to do this or could not continue to do this without your support, without your engagement. So if you got value out of this, please make sure to go ahead and like and share this so that more people can get the impact of growing through this pan pandemic and becoming, as Joseph said, stronger through adversity. Uh, with that, we will be live again this thur Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We've got a special guest coming up for that, so make sure that you tune in there. And until then, I'm just here to keep reminding you, either give value or don't even bother.